0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Today I want to share a message with you that I'm super excited about, and I really believe that God's about to do something powerful uh, in this space together. we're, We're preaching a series in our church that I began two weeks ago because the Lord spoke to me when my wife Jillian was preaching a few weeks ago in the middle of, I think our last actual church service, a little tear coming down my face. We were gathering in physical buildings and then now we're back and locals and online. Uh, but my wife Jillian was preaching a couple of weeks ago and a powerful life-changing message. And the Lord just spoke to me midway through her sermon. And the Lord just said to me, relay the foundations. Relay the foundations. Relay the foundations the foundations, what, what we built this church on. Because we're in a second wave, we're gonna go bigger, we're gonna go further, we're gonna reach the whole nation of New Zealand, we're gonna plan for it, to have campuses of arise literally across the whole nation. We're gonna go international in the next three years of our church. We're gonna, we're gonna go beyond the shores of New Zealand into other nations of the world. And the Lord just told me, relay the foundations. And, and out of that, I want to share a message with you today that's heavy on my heart. Uh, I kind of started this message two weeks ago entitled that, that message, Relational Faith. Relational Faith. And, and building on that, if you haven't heard it, I, wanna, I want you to go back. Go back on our po- podcast, go back on our YouTube channel. Give me 30 minutes of your life and listen to it. Relational Faith. It was really, I think, the one message that if I, I could only preach one, about what makes a rise arise. arise. Yeah. It would be the message I shared two weeks ago. Um, but I wanna build on that message today, give you like a part two. And I wanna preach you today around the thought drifting into the shallows. Drifting into the shallows. If you have a Bible, we're gonna go to Mark chapter 3, uh, Mark chapter 3, and verse 14. And uh, I'm gonna read it out for you right now. Then we're gonna pray, then we're gonna dive into this together. But in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says about Jesus that He appointed 12, designating them apostles. And the purpose of the, the appointment of the 12 is that they might be with Him. That they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach. He chose 12. He put a lot of prayer into it. And the reason why He chose them was that they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach. Come on, I wanna pray and then I wanna share a message that I truly believe is an important message for our culture and this moment right now, drifting into the shallows. Let's pray together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray as we open Your Word, that You would open our hearts, speak to us, God, guide us, strengthen us, equip us, challenge us, stir the things of heaven in us. Let, Let the Kingdom of God be revealed in our lives. May the truly important and divine be illuminated in our lives and help us, Lord, to get out of the shallows that is consuming our world today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. I'm feeling so burdened in this COVID season about the invasion of the shallows into our world. I think it might be the greatest challenge of our world today, especially our Western world. Our 24-7 connected, our, our smartphone you know, stimulated, our constantly streaming, tweetable, postable, TikTokable world that we live in today, I think one of the most confronting challenges of our culture right now might be that we are just becoming shallow. We text, we tweet, we post selfies, get the right angle. Come on, here we are, D, you know. (laughs) We got it all going down, but I'm worried that for all our tweeting, our texting, all of our selfies, all of our little videos that it might be coming at the cost of intimacy, connectedness, and us forming genuine bonds with other people. We reward as a culture facade, image, projection. This is what I want you to see of me. But I want to be careful and just say, hey, listen, you know, we can edit our photos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really pale, Christy Lee. So I have a challenge when I take photos. Mine is like trying not to look anemic <laughs> in the face of the world. But we're going to look in for the right filter to project what we want. We, we create social scenarios. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I'm terrible at this, but I watch people at parties and they're like, you, 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 get here, 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 and here, you know, now we'll take the photo, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not real, but we wanna post it in a way that everybody thinks that it's real. You know, we, we share our highlights, you know. We, we manage our projection. And in many ways as a culture, we're showing people more of us than we've ever shown before. Yet the truth is we're more closely guarding what people see of us than in any other moment of time. And let's just get real about that. The less you can see of the real me, then the more you might desire to be like me. But the less you really know me. And a life that is shallow, relationships, that are only at the superficial level are a terrible pathway as a culture towards wholeness, health, and well being. And we've got to recognize that. Because if we as a culture only have the shallows, we need to align that trap with the reality that in our generation we have greater mental health challenges than ever before. We live in the nation with some of the highest suicide rates in the world. That we're living with addiction rates that are through the roof. And maybe we need to front up and admit as a culture, and especially in the church, that just having a well-projected persona isn't going to guarantee that you're going to have lasting wholeness in your life. And we're a culture that not only is projecting a lot of persona out there, but we're also a culture that is more apprehensive about real intimacy and real commitment than in any other time in the history of the world before. We value as a culture. Come on, you know it's true. We value persona of a character. that's right, that's right. We want every tweet that we tweet, every image that we portray on Instagram, every vid we record on TikTok to be well-received by people more than we value, standing for who we are, being who we are, portraying to the world the real me, whether you like it or not. And if, if we're going to say that that's true, and I think, come on, we all agree that it is true. If that's true, then we gotta front up and say we're of culture that value persona over character. And if we value persona over character, then we're more concerned about projection than we are about intimacy. We're giving people an illusion, not reality. We value fickle over the reliable, and as a culture, we're drifting into the shadows, the shallows. We are drifting. Into the shallows, man. Come on, I'm at parties. I'm at I'm at church foyers. I'm in places, and I'm watching people. And we are in the moment of the social function. But we got our phone. We're like orchestrating the event. We're distracted by the of the instant message or the the Snapchat response, and we are we are so committed. To what is not in the moment. That maybe we're even losing what it is to be in the moment. We're drifting into the shallows. I work so hard with this and my kids. I'm always telling them, when you're with your friends, you put your phone away. When you're in the moment, don't be half in the moment. Because if we're, if we're too busy, we can be creating TikTok and Instagram videos to describe what we're doing. But when you look at what you really are doing, your projection of what you're doing to others comes at the cost of actually doing what you're doing. We're drifting into the shallows. Drifting into the shallows, the great trap of this is that it comes at the cost of the depth and the quality of our relationships, and that's a great price, because the things that are going to define our lives the most, my friends, are not going to be whether everybody can see your life and think, I desire what you have. What's going to decide the quality of your life is going to be the depth, the genuineness, and the connectedness of your real relationships. Whether you have intimacy, whether you have real friendships, whether people know you and you know them, that's gonna be the decider of the quality of your life. The quality of your life is gonna be determined by the quality of your relationships. So for me in my life and for us in our lives, this means we're gonna have to sit back as the church and we're gonna to have to have a real conversation and say, WWJD, what would Jesus do with my smartphone? What would Jesus prioritize if He was living my life in 2020? Because if I can live the way Jesus lived, then I will have the plan that Jesus has for me. And if there's one thing that the Bible brings out with absolute q- q- clarity, It is that Jesus prioritized the depth and the quality of His personal relationships with others. The first events of Jesus' ministry are not sermons, but conversations with disciples. Not only is that His first interaction, but when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, you're not going to find Jesus giving the lion's share of His time and energy to crowds and to a publicly presented persona. You're gonna find the majority of Jesus' time and energy going into His personal relationships with His disciples. That was His first priority and His largest goal was intimacy and relationship with others. I mean, when you think about Jesus, the first thing He did was call disciples. Then He began to preach. Then momentum began to kick in. Then the crowds began to gather. Then you don't see Jesus just going, I've got crowds. See you later. I don't need you. Quite the opposite. As the crowds began to gather, you find Jesus in increased time and prayer. We find our Savior when the crowds were at their largest We find our Savior praying all night. The only event that kept Jesus awake all night was the night that He prayed. And the reason why Jesus was praying was about who was going to be close to Him. Mark chapter 3 verse 14, we read it before, how Jesus prayed all night uh, is the preceding Scripture. In verse 13, then He calls His disciples up onto the mountainside where He had been praying all night. And then out of the many disciples, He chose 12. Why? He chose 12 for two reasons. That they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach. That they may have increased proximity to Jesus and that they may have increased influence on the world. He said, "I'm going to prioritize those that are, I'm going to have the greatest impact on them." He was very deliberate. He said, "There's so many things that could compete for my time." We got an app for everything today, right? I mean, we, you know, you want to, you want people to know what you're doing, you can put it on Instagram. You want to, you want to spend a night relaxing, you can binge watch Netflix. You want a date, you can go on Tinder. It's, I'm not saying it's healthy. In fact, I would go strong against that. The best tender you can get is the foyer of your church, man. Your life group. And I'm not saying for a hookup. I'm saying for a lifelong relationship beginning. Come on, some single person give me a hearty amen out there. My Lord, just go to church every Sunday, for goodness sake. Set your life on a different direction. Can I be real with you today? I am whether you want or not, delete your Tinder, get RSVP'd for your local, get to church every Sunday. Come on, man. They're just good people. But he appointed the 12 that he might have the greatest impact on them so that then they would have a great impact on the world that was around him. And I, I love the simplicity of Jesus because yeah. it just says He had the 12 that they might be with Him. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about what's getting your time today, what's, what's your priority for your life investment? Yeah, really yeah. Jesus said, here's my investment. I wanna be with some people because yeah. yeah. if I can be with them, yeah, right. then I can send them out. Yeah. And if you and I aren't committed to being with people, yeah then our impact on people is going to be superficial. And with equal certainty, our impact on the world is going to be superficial too. So So let's make sure that we learn from Jesus and we're being with people, prioritising relationships, getting out of the shallows that we're drifting into as a culture. Because if we'll have a great impact on people, we'll have a great impact on the world that is around us. Let me give you one more scripture. i got two more, but let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I dropped my Bible. I hope you saw that. Acts chapter 4 and in verse 13. An amazing passage of scripture. I actually preached. A message called Bold. I've gone back and preached another, another passage of Scripture on, on the power of the Holy Spirit from this one passage. Let's go number three in about eight weeks in our church. We're in Acts 4, chapter 13. When they looked at Peter and John, this is in the context where they've healed the guy, that they gave beautiful, then they've been arrested for it. They spent the night in jail. The next morning, they testify of Jesus and the miracle that they've performed. And then we get a little insight and to how they were perceived by others. Acts 4.13, this is what it says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. I love that. What they were seeing in Peter and John wasn't what they were expecting to see. People have a perception of what they should expect from you. They're going to decide that by where you come from. They're going to decide that by the way you look. They're going to decide that by the level of education that you have. They're going to decide that by the number of followers that you have on your social media accounts. And here we've got these leaders in culture, in society, looking at Peter and John who were fishermen. They were not in any way, come on, I think about the same societal, not not trying to deride any commercial fishermen out there, but when you're looking for influencers, leaders, people with eloquence, courage and influence in culture, that's just generally not where we look. But when they looked at Peter and John, they said, these guys, come on, they're perplexing because they're unschooled and they're ordinary. And you might not have the education people would think you need. You might not have the kicks or the followership or the, the influence or the white sparkly teeth people would think that you need to have an influence on culture, but they couldn't believe it because here were two people making a massive dent on culture. And they said they're unschooled and ordinary. Now let's read the second half. They, when they realised... That they were unschooled and ordinary, they were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Unable to put their finger on a natural cause for the influence that Peter and John were having on their society. They looked at them and said, the reason why they're having such a profound impact is because they've been with Jesus. The X factor of their lives was their connectedness to Jesus. The depth of their relationship with Jesus is credited as the reason for the impact they were having in the world in which they lived. And friends, I want you to know that it is not just those disciples that can be a credit to the power of deep relationships, but the people that you meet every day, the others that could be in your world, that is the way that you and I can see change come in the world in which we live is when we're committed to getting out of the shallows, The greatest gift you can give to other people is your deep relationship with them. The greatest way you can make an impact in the world in which you live is to be invested in relationship with other people. Forming real relationships with others. Investing your time in relationship with others. Sharing your life with others is the greatest gift that you can give. And it's the greatest way that we as Christians can have an impact in our world and bring change to the culture in which we live. Come on, if you believe that, I want you to give me a big amen right now. We are the church and we need to get out of the shallows. We need to be committed to real relationships with others. Jesus said, I'm going to give 12 people close relationship to me because if they can be close to me, then they will be with me and I can send them out to preach. I'm going to have a great impact on them. They're going to have a great impact on the world that is around them. And then we flip it to Acts chapter 4 where they're having a massive impact. Changing the culture of Jerusalem. Bringing the testimony to Jesus. Less than 70 days from His crucifixion and literally rocking the city of Jerusalem with their testimony, not of a dead Jesus, but of a resurrected one. And then these guys say, look at their courage and they are unschooled and ordinary. And they said, the only way we can credit their success is that they've been with Jesus you got to understand, my friends, that we're reading a testimony in the Bible that real and deep relationships work. That real and deep relationships bring change to the lives of people and lead to a changed world. And if we're going to bring an impact to the world in which we live church, then we've got to be committed to meaningful relationships with God and other people as well. We've got to be committed to it. In fact, meaningful relationships with God and other people is the entire will of God for us in our lives. I preached this just three weeks ago, but when Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. In other words, He said, the greatest things you need to know, the entire will that of God that you need to know, the greatest commandment that God ever gave you was love God and love people. I love that because Christian, hear me, the, you can be in the will of God so easily. I have Christians say, pray for me, John, that I might discover God's will for me in my life. I'm like, I can pray for you because I love you, but let me give the will of God to you. This is all you need to know. You are in the will of God for you in your life if you'll just wake up every day and say, let me love you God wholeheartedly and God let me love people fervently. When that's your daily prayer, you are daily in the will of God. Yeah. God, I want to love you wholeheartedly and I want to love other people fervently. That's the will of God. Yeah. The devil measures his success based on isolation. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Come on. We're a culture wow. drifting yeah. into the shallows yeah. and we're understanding from God's Word that it ain't God who's taking us towards superficial yeah. relationships. Yeah. That's right. Have you found... That we're more connected, but more isolated. Yes. That's true. That's true. Yes. I can see what you're doing, but know you less than yeah. I've ever known you before. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you're shopping for. I can see where you've been, yeah. but I know less of your heartbeat, more yeah. less connected to who you are. Yeah. Let's just realize it isn't God that is bringing superficiality yeah. into our world. Right. And it isn't God who looks at the world and says, I want to isolate it. Yeah. Jesus came so that we'd be connected to God. And Jesus came so we'd be connected to other people. But the devil measures his success by the degree to which he can isolate us from meaningful relationships with God and other people. The more our culture feels alone, the more hell is winning. And we are the church. We don't let the devil win. Yeah. That's right. We love people. Yes. That's what we do. Yes. In Revelation chapter 2, there's a verse of Scripture. I just read this in my devotions this week. I ended up page flipping one morning. I was supposed to be in Exodus and I ended up in Revelation and, and I know the Lord wanted me to read this so that I could preach it for you this morning. Revelation 2, 2-4. to four. Jesus is speaking and He said, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work. I've seen your great endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. I know you examine the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they aren't. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Don't you love it that God God just looks at you sometimes and says, You just didn't quit? I'm so proud of you. You just never quit. But then he said, I I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You're drifting into the shallows. You're letting the superficial win. And I just feel like a rise God's just saying to us in this season that we need to make sure that we don't drift into the shallows. As a culture we are. We undeniably are. But we don't go along with the natural current and tide. We're the church. And God doesn't want us drifting into the shallows. God wants us to change the world. And Jesus' ministry is a testimony to us that the greater the relationship, the greater the ministry. If we wanna change the world, then we need deep relationships with God and with other people. At Arise, we have six values. Love, grow, give, smile, excel, unite, Arise. We chant it, we go crazy over it. But our first value, the most important thing to us at Arise We are committed to loving people. I'd go to the wall over that. If our church had 100,000 people coming to church every Sunday, but they didn't care about the person in the seat next to them, I'd shrink the church until they did. Because the only way the church makes an impact is not the number of bums in the seats, it's, number, it's the quality of the relationships that we have between the seats. We don't just attend church services at Arise. We spend time with people. We are a hangout church. We don't let people sit alone. We don't let people do life alone at Arise. You don't have to be a raving party person. Don't misconstrue the sermon. You only have to have three, maybe five deep friendships, but we wanna make sure that we've got some people in our lives that know us intimately. And as the church, we wanna make sure that there are people in our lives that aren't just my frozen chosen friends that I can invest my life into to help them to find wholeness, healing, come on the journey with Jesus and become all that God wants them to be. And Arise, I want to finish this sermon, but let me just tell you this. I preach this in our church many times. I preach it to our staff all the time. Preach it to the Arise team on a regular basis. But let me just remind you of this one thing. The greatest determiner of the revival potential of the church will always be our willingness to pay the price of relational discipleship. Whether or not we as the church will invest our lives in other people, that's the decider of whether the revival's gonna come. Yeah. If we want a private faith, a solo faith, a disconnected faith, the cost of our selfishness is the salvation of the world. Wow. But if we would just do what we can all do. My mom and dad never preached a sermon. But when I was a child, they never had an empty meal table. There's just always someone sitting at the table. Always someone, we had borders in fact, you know, like there are six of us Camerons, but there'd often be up to 12 people living in our home. And I just, you know, mom and dad would just be sitting down, talking with the person, counseling them, praying over them, like they did with us kids. They didn't neglect us for the sake of it. But there are people that still turn up to everything that's significant for our family, call, phone, text, because they paid the price of relational discipleship. Maybe that's why our heart beats here rise for that. But church, church, let's not drift into the shallows. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying over a rise. I'm praying over your church. I'm praying over our generation. We recognize that we're drifting towards the shallows, but it's just simply not what you desire. So I pray, God, that you would arrest our hearts, awaken us, call us closer to you, that we might as the church, as your people, live connected to you, live connected to the world that is around us. God, we profess that we love you. We wanna make a difference in our world for you. In Jesus' mighty name. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.